Ecclesiastics chapter 4. Ecclesiastics. The words of the preacher. Although yet, it's a very almost cynical book in some ways because it's written by a man who was half backslidden at the time. Got his heart right at the end, but a very interesting book. He goes through, as Solomon writes this book, he talks about a number of different uh, issues of life that he compares almost the thought of being saved and not being saved and just how this all plays out in life. Two of the most painful and rewarding areas in life, one is money. Right? When you have it, it's rewarding. When you don't, it's painful. And the other is relationships. Relationships can be the biggest pain, and they also can be the greatest joy. I want to minister on the blessing of relationships. Because it, navigating relationships is, is the whole mystery of life, if you will. Like I said, other than money, relationships may be the most difficult part of, of juggling and, and working through and understanding. And so I want to look with you and think about relationships in all kinds. We're going to touch from marriage to friendship to uh, casual friends. And so uh, two people, it says, Ecclesiastes 4.9, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed if one fail, falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls uh, alone is in real trouble, likewise two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. I want to consider first that we were created for relationships. God created Adam to have a relationship with him. The Bible says he would come and try, walk with the Adam in the cool of the day in the evening time that God created him for that. In the process of creation, God looked at Adam, and everything in creation was good, except Adam was alone. said, so that's not good. And there's no sin involved, but you got to wonder, and I've mentioned it before, it is worthy of speculation. What was Adam doing that God went, man, the sun's good, the moon's good, the clay, you know, trees, Adam alone, not good. Oh boy, what's, you know. What was he doing? Was he trying to match plaids with stripes? You know, what was the boy doing? Was he sleeping on a rock? Did he lose his keys? We don't know. You know, whatever a man might do, that God looked at him and said, this isn't good. He needs a helper. And let me just say this, and I'll get to marriage a little bit. We'll touch on marriage in this and uh, and such. Uh, but, you know, man was created, and yet there are glaring gaps in him. That we don't always see as men ourselves, but God saw them and said, the boy needs some help. And women were created to be that helper. 
thus fulfilling one another. The two become one. I'm not into soulmates, but the old Greek thought behind soulmates is that you were one cut in half in the heavens and you were born a male and a female. Half of you is male, half of you is female. Your job is to find your soulmates. That's where that term comes from. I don't believe there's just one woman for one man or one man for one woman. But I do believe they grasp a little bit of that understanding of being created for relationships. Christianity is based on relationship with God. We've all said it. Ah, they got that job because of who they know, not because of what they know. Probably. There are many jobs like that. Lots of life flows out of that. In fact, the average person will have between 40 and 60 opportunities to influence other people in their lives. Major decisions. doesn't even have to be close, and that doesn't include counselors or pastors or people who have a little, have that, have that ability to do that. We're created for relationship. And we get to heaven not based on what we know, but who we know. That's how we get to heaven. We're not going to get to heaven because we did good things. Although as a Christian, you should do good things. But that's not the measure of how you get to heaven. Oh, I did this. I clicked this box. I checked that box. I must be good. No, you get to heaven because you're born again and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 3, see how much the Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And what is that? Uh, and, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. It's not that they don't know about God. You can know about God. There's lots of religions. There's lots of religious activity. There's people who know about God. You know, the, I, I, you know, the, the whole fiasco in the House of Representatives and the whole firing of the Speaker of the House and the new one and all. You know, the Republicans, after they finally, finally, finally elected a Speaker of the House, prayed. Well, these are politicians, though. They could be religious. They can acknowledge God. Some of them, I hope, are Christians, but the large majority are probably not. Lots of people who have religious understanding. But the fact that we can be children of God, a relationship with God. There are people who are abandoned and such, but... You know, God puts people in families. There's some that are adopted into families. And adoption gives them a new opportunity. That's exactly what happened to us as Christians. We were adopted into the kingdom of God. But we were given a Father in heaven. Jeremiah writes these words. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. 
The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them like a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbor, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember their sins. Here's a great promise. You shall know God. Christianity, if you've just got boxes to check, or if you're just making some rules, and I followed this, and I did that. Christianity is about a relationship. Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. This is just before He goes to the cross. John 17 uh, lays this out and He makes that statement in John 17.3. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. Not just about God, but to know God. This is kind of the danger of growing up in church is you can know all about God and not know God. The old statement, God has no grandchildren. You cannot get to heaven. You cannot have a relationship with God just because your parents had a relationship with God. You have to have your own relationship with God. Because church kids know all about God. They can quote Bible stories. They know all about, uh, they've won awards. They can memorize scriptures. They uh, have participated in religious uh, activity. But do you know God? And that's the danger is that you can grow up, even in a good church, this church, or wherever church, know about God, not know Him. James 2, 30, uh, James 2, 23. And it so happened, just as the scripture said, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, uh, because of his faith. And he even was called a friend of God. When Jesus lays out his plan that he's going to die, he says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is critical. It's not just about clicking. I came to church. Check. I said a little prayer before meal. Check. But do you know God personally? Do you know Jesus personally? That's what Christianity is based on. It's a relationship with God. And some people will try to tell you about how good they are because they click boxes. But I know Jesus. And I'm a child of God. That's how we get to heaven. That's how we enter in. 
That being said, Jesus, God has created us for relationships. Our text tells us that if one walks alone, they could be in trouble. They could be, uh, there's no security, there's no help, there's no warmth. See, out of our relationship with God should flow all other relationships. That's why you can always tell how someone's relationship is with God is how is their relationship with other people? How's their relationship with their spouse, with the you know, first and foremost, with their church, with the other people? If you have a good relationship with God, that's not to say you won't have people problems. But that is to say that you can have good relationships despite other people's problems. Marriage is probably the closest human, it's not probably, it is the closest human relationship that any two people can have. It is a sharing of intimacy and can be one of the, it should be the greatest blessing in your life. Part of it is going to be how you approach your marriage. If you approach, what can I get from my marriage? You're going to be very empty. If you approach your marriage as what can I give into my marriage, you're going to be blessed. I'll ask couples, and you probably know this, is marriage a 50-50 deal? And the answer is no. It's a hundred percent of each of you giving a hundred percent. Now, obviously, that's not humanly possible. You're not going to be able to do that every day. You're going to have a bad hair day from now, now and then again. You're going to have a difficult time, right? But the reality of physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, socially, The two become one. Ephesians 5.31 in the scripture says, A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be united into one. The thought of the woman being created for the man, the man that was lacking something, that there's a completeness that happens in marriage and this is why when people are you know uh, and and if you're not married you can pray tend to be married think about how you could be the best husband or wife when you meet that person that you could possibly be it is sad to me when especially Christians don't have a good marriage because as at the core of that, like I said, your relationship with God will flow out of that first. But secondly, God's design marriage, He is willing to help you in your marriage. I think some people don't have that help because they won't ask God. They expect the other one to just figure it out. Good luck with that. 
I don't know if you understand this, but men and women don't think alike. Men have ten times more gray matter than women. Women have six and a half times more white matter than men. These are different formings of the brain. Doesn't mean that one is smarter. Women are. But it doesn't mean that. It just means they think different. And that's why men focus on different things than women and their, you know, and all of that. First Peter 3, 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. God says, you know what? Take care of your wife. The old question in the 80s and the 90s. What do women want? I can tell you what they want. It's not that hard. They want to be number one. They want to be special. They want to be what you, they know that you're thinking about them. That's why they like cards and notes and texts and things like that. Men, on the other hand, is like I told you when we got married, I loved you. If it changes, I'll let you know. You know, it's like it doesn't always work. It's not the way they're hardwired. This tells us when your marriage is not right, you'll have problems in your relationship with God. Your prayers are hindered. There's a hindrance in your ability to come to God. It is not... Another thing I tell couples in marriage counseling, you can't change your spouse, but you can change yourself. Must frustration in marriage counseling is people trying to change the other one. But you can change you can change yourself. The thing that you realize is not all wives are the same, not all husbands are the same. It's not a one size fits all in every marriage. You have to work that out on how that works. Who should Handle the finances, the one that's better at it. Some that's the husband, some that's the wife. Fortunately for others, that may be neither, which is, leads to all sorts of problems. But that's a joke anyway, you'll get that later. But anyway, our text tells us that this is relationship with even other believers. Two people are far better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls when they're alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Two can stand back to back and conquer. And three, even better, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. It says relationships can bring help. They can bring warmth. They can bring a defense. These things are of great value when you need them. You know, if you don't need any help, man, 
don't need any help right now. But when you do, when you need defense, when you need warmth and comfort, they're very critical at that moment. Acts 2.42 And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, relationships take effort. We're going to talk about this in the end, but they, there's, there's work involved in this. But you have to be willing. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. They Actual translation of that talks about a friendly man must show himself friendly. But it's actually written in the negative. If you're not friendly, then you won't have friends. It's kind of an ironic statement how that plays out. But relationships, and you can have friendships that are closer than blood. I actually don't know I, I, my, my, let me back up here. My father was one of three children. Each of, though, he had two sisters, and each of those three had two children. So there were six first cousins, and we spent all sorts of holidays together. We were, you know, always together. I can't tell you where one of them, I don't even know, I think one of them lives in Indianapolis. I think I think one lives in Boston somewhere in that area. I I've lost track of them. But I have friends right now that if I picked up the phone and called them, some of them would even be on a plane if I needed it. They're not my blood. They're not my but they're my friends. Many feel isolated and live a lonely life. Nobody cares. Nobody. Why? And it's those people who isolate themselves. The Bible says, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You have to, you know, I don't, it's Wednesday night. I get it. You had to put in an effort. I won't even have a show of hands to those who thought tonight, those who thought, man, I'd rather just stay home. Because there are people here who would think that. You had to make an effort. All relationships are like that. You have to make an effort. Iron sharps iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. There's work. It's in relationship that rough areas can be dealt with. Chipped away, smoothed out. Filed off. Some people, you know... They're like hugging porcupines. How do you do it? Very carefully. Friends need to have influence on each other. Do you have a friend that can tell you, don't be stupid, stupid? Do you have someone who can tell you that? Say, hey, you know what? That's really not a good idea. You know what? You need to treat your wife better. 
you know what? You need to stop talking about your husband. You have a friend who can tell you that? Iron sharpens iron. 1 Samuel 18, what? After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son, and immediately a bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. How you speak, how you speak about them. I have a very good friend. His name is Chris Seeley. He's uh, on staff in Waltham Waltham Forest, England. He's a very good friend of mine, and I love Chris and Angela. They're just great people. One of the reasons we're friends is because Alan Taylor, another friend of ours, kept telling me, Chris is a great guy. You're going to meet Chris. You're going to love Chris. Chris is a great guy. He kept telling Chris, when you meet Keith, he's a great guy. You're going to love him. He's a great guy. So when we met, we're instant friends. Because we that had been almost put into us, talked into us. Jonathan loved David. You'll get people who say, that's weird. You know, you know, that's just friendship. David writes of Jonathan later. He says, his relationship, he was closer than any of my wives. Of course, he had so many wives that would be hard to get close to. But the reality of a good friend. If you don't have one, ask God. Matthew five fourteen through 16, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand and when it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The call of the church is not to isolate themselves, but is to be out there. To be shining and let other people see. We're not called to hide away. We're not called to judge them because they might have a political bumper sticker that you don't agree with. Or something along those lines. Just simply making the opportunity for people to be one. You know, we live in a very lonely world. What factors keep a Christian youth maintained in their faith into adulthood? Major research project by the National Study of Youth and Religion found these following factors. The young person's parents practiced the faith in their home, in their daily lives. Not just in a public church setting. Young people had at least one significant adult mentor or friend other than their parents who practiced faith seriously. The young person had at least a significant spiritual experience before the age of 17 Or in other words, teenagers are most likely to uh, retain their Christian faith into adulthood if they have meaningful, healthy relationships with their parents and faithful Christian mentors outside the family and, of course, a relationship with God Himself. 
relationships. So let's talk about guarding relationships. Because that's what our text is talking about. To first guard a relationship, you have to say, this is valuable. This has value on it. Heard a story recently about a number number of years ago. A man robbed a bank in Ottawa, Canada. And he got caught. He got $6,000 in the bank robbery. But what was surprising was the revolver that he used. It was an 1812 Smith & Wesson collectible. The gun was worth about $40,000. And he only got six from the bank. If we don't realize what we have, we'll very easily look for something else. Good relationships take work. They require time, sometimes money, investment, and desire. It means you have to put an effort into it. You have to break out of your clique and open your heart to someone who may not be quite exactly like you. Our text tells us there's protection, there's strength, there's blessing if you're willing to put in the effort. Our text brings out, says, two people are better than one for they can help each other. Means it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to be the one who needs the help. Sometimes you're going to be the helper. I've shared with you before, but when we were missionaries, my wife and I had made a pact that if you saw the other one losing it, you couldn't go with them. Otherwise, we would have not made it for 14 years. Follow-up's not a program building a relationship with someone. It takes work, effort. Sometimes they're going to be weird. True story, my wife and I, we followed up on a couple. If you know Corey Winslow, this was her parents. We took them out for dinner. And uh, they were so taken back by this, they couldn't figure out. They thought this was a scam, or they thought they were waiting for the hook or something to come in. So they invited us up for dinner. They shut off all the lights, had candles and strange things. We ate on a rock instead of a table. They served tofu. Like deliberately tofu. Like, will this make them mad, tofu? We ate it, I think. You know, he told me years later, he said, we were testing you. We were trying you. We we could, you know, we we're trying to figure out what, what the hook was and realize later. It wasn't about a hook. Many years, great blessing to our lives were the, to- the Todoroffs. Heaven, life took some changes and turns, but great blessing for a long time. Because relationships and work equal blessing. Like I said in the beginning of the sermon, they can be frustrating. 
but they also can be one of the greatest blessings to your life. This can play out in so many different ways. People who have helped, people who invest, sometimes you invest and be it comes back on you. God's a rewarder. It's just found in right relationships. When you put in the effort and have the relationships, they can be the greatest blessing in your life. Relationships strengthen and help you and bring you to the place where you can be the person God has designed you to be. And finally, they bring health. Proper relationships Verse 12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can with, uh, back to back will conquer, and even three are better because triple braided cord is not easily broken. When Jesus is at the center of the triple corded relationship, it can be the healthiest. Bad relationships are bad for your health. Researchers at University of Utah found there's a price to pay when couples don't get along. 150 husbands and wives were recorded discussing sensitive issues such as money, household chores, and other things. They found the following. Women who buried their anger rather than speaking out were more likely to succumb to heart disease than wives who were vocal about it. When these women became domineering, controlling, rather than to seek consensus, the damage was done to their husband's health. Researcher Timothy W. Smith understood that there will be disagreements in marriage. How you handle yourself in resolving it is important. You can do it the way that gets you uh, gets your concern to dress without doing damage at the same time. It's not an easy mark to hit. British researchers in a similar project brought out similar results. A 12-year-old, a 12-year study of British civil servants, most of whom were married. The English researchers concluded that a hostile, intimate relationship, people were 34% more likely to experience chest pains, heart attacks, and other heart problems. That's in the physical. It's also in the spiritual. When you have a good, healthy relationships, people live longer. They're better with money. All these kinds of things go on. This goes on to say that if you have a good relationship, you are 23% more likely not to have any heart problems. If you have good people around you, your health is good, the researchers say. That's what you and I can have. That's true physically, it's true spiritually. Like I said, do you have someone who can say, you know what, Don't don't be doing that. Don't be saying that. Stop that. Start that. That's what God has designed us for. It's a defense 
It's a comfort. It's a help. Sometimes you'll be the helper, the comforter, or the defender. Sometimes you're going to need that. But you let, you let God help you. You don't have good relationships, ask God. He's able to help you. He's able to change some things. He's able to give you. You don't need 150 friends, or as Facebook would have, 4,828 friends. You just need a couple. You can speak into your life. If you're married, start there. You can be blessed. Let's bow our heads for just a, just a moment. Christianity starts with a relationship with God. It's not about clicking boxes or I did this or didn't do that. I'm not as bad as this guy or I'm not as... I didn't, you know, break. I didn't kill anyone or whatever you might say that will click a box and say, I must be a good person. I didn't steal today. I pay my taxes. I, I, I don't litter. But the reality of Christianity is it's a relationship with God that you and I can have not just knowledge about God, but an actual relationship with God. If you're here this, this evening, you're not right with God, it would be our privilege to just pray a simple prayer and introduce you. Let you discover who Jesus is. That's you. I wonder if you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone at all, very quickly. Pray for me. I need Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God. You can grow up in this church. You can know all about God. You can win all the Sunday school and children's church awards there could be. Because you got some head knowledge. But do you know God? Do you know Him personally? That's what Christianity is. Sin violates that. You need to come to Jesus. Relationship to Him. Not just, oh, I, I, it's not confession. It's not just, oh, I got caught in sin. It's, do you have a relationship with God? Slip up your head very quickly. Pray for me. Changing the call then to Christians. Christianity begins with our relationship with God. If you're married, then it flows into your marriage. We all like the richer, the better, and the healthier. But you know what? Life doesn't always give us all of that. That you're going to make a decision that, you know what? Find out how to be the best spouse my, my husband or wife needs. Regardless whether they do or not. tell you that one of the tragedies that many married couples face is becomes the downward spiral. Well, they didn't, so I didn't, so they did, and now so I said, and they did, so I did. It takes one of you to break it through, to break out of that spiral, to say, you know what? That is the most precious relationship you could possibly have. Start there. 
friends, guys need guy friends, girls need girlfriends. And go from there. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing a song. Give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you, God. We glorify you.